It is Monday, November 11th, and coming up, do things have to get worse at MSG before they get better? Also, Bloomberg Bezos 2020? Why that isn't as far-fetched as you may think. All that and more, coming up. This is The Tune-Up. Good morning. Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I am joined by, as always, our drummer extraordinaire, the insomniac poet laureate himself, Mr. There's No Mercy in This Unions. And if he had coined the phrase gaslighting in 2008, we probably wouldn't be here. It's Benny Horowitz. You know, I still don't know what that means, Denny. Which one? I think I'd have to Urban Dictionary. I know gaslighting's a thing, but I still don't know how people know are using it. You every know? time I see a podcast called gaslighting that's political i'm like man you guys really missed the boat there what do you mean i think we got ahead of the boat that's if true this was going on we that's definitely true. so so <laughs> say gaslight anthem comes out in 2019 oh, you probably can't use it no done <laughs> done yeah no that's a death certificate yeah i think we beat this this is a good idea because to take business is a contact sport and we don't want to pull anything this early in our podcasting endeavor each and every week we warm up with our don't fuck this up Person or thing of the week. Mm-hmm. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. And the last thing I said to him, I said, look, man, don't f*** this up for me. Don't fuck it up. All right, Benny, because this is your show, you go first. <laughs> well, to keep the train rolling, I believe three for three so far in the tune-up podcast, <laughs> my don't F this up person of the week is, again, Christian billionaire genius. Oh, excuse me. Kanye West, <laughs> who apparently wants to change his name to Christian billionaire genius. There's a couple problems with this. A, he's not a billionaire yet. And if he is, it's very liquid. I don't think he actually has it. So you know, he's, he's borrowing something from here. He's putting so, in there. First off, it's a lie. And then I know we have a new policy, right? No Bible verses in, in the Tune Up podcast. But let's just say... Unless there's any churches I want to sponsor us, then we will <laughs> gladly join your mega church. I know plenty of people who are uh, taken in by the Universalist Life Church of Modesto, California, <laughs> who have made a number of my friends ordained ministers. Oh. So... If does they... <laughs> uh does John Goodman play the uh main pastor in that one like in Righteous Gemstones too? All I know is a couple people I know who you really wouldn't think could conduct a wedding service can now conduct wedding services thanks to this church. So so good for them. Who's yours? This past weekend millennials did a very millennial thing. And so that brings me to my don't fuck this up person or actually entity of the week. So this past weekend uh YouTubers Logan Paul and KSI took place in a prize fight. And if you thought boxing was dead before, well, I guess I really answered that question now. And I'm not mad at these YouTubers for trying to get their money. You know, the zone came in. John Skipper backed up the dump truck for these guys. It's fine. It's a content business. We all live in it. I'm mad at the California State Athletic Commission here for allowing this to be a sanctioned prize fight with referees that do real fights. And, you know, I kind of live by the motto that if you need to do a gimmick to promote your sport, your sport's probably in trouble. I mean, I'm a major American soccer fan. I saw MLS do gimmicks for years. Mm-hmm. So, but for a sport that has, but for a sport that's had a resurgence in the last 18 months, uh, to take a step back like this, uh, to have a large scale amateur fight, you know, be sanctioned and, and official is super disappointing. So do better, California. This doesn't need to be a sanctioned event. 
But this is what boxing has been doing forever. Profits over the integrity of a sport. I mean, the one thing, though, is like, isn't the fact that we've had so many decisions in the last few years that were so clearly scored the wrong way in public or something? Yeah. Like, isn't that what's destroying the integrity of the sport? And the reason why people are leaning towards something like UFC? Like, like we've had boring fighters. Yeah. And we've had fights that don't even determine a winner more often than not. Here's the thing I want to ask you about this is these, these two men were uh, drug tested, weighed in, done everything the, yeah, no, the, the way they were they supposed did it by to. The book. They trained um, using actual boxing trainers, you mm-hmm. know, familiar. They took the fight seriously. Uh, like if, if they're not allowed to be sanctioned, what, what do you have to do to be sanctioned? Okay, because so it seems like they came pretty pretty close to fitting the criteria. Benny, you're a net season ticket holder, right? Sure am. Sure if am. we went to Barclays Center right now and played one-on-one, yeah. <laughs> like, the NBA and USA Basketball would not sanction it as an Olympic event. I've never seen you hoop, though. Your oh, jump shot I, wet? I mean, it, it's bad looking, but it's wet. <laughs> but they weren't tricking people. People bought tickets to see that fight. Like, I didn't buy tickets to, to see Nets T-Wolves and then watch me and you play one-on-one. <laughs> you know what I mean? People want to see it. You know what I think this is and the reason it's popular is, like, when I was in high school and sometimes, like, really, like, doofy jock dude over here and, like, mean, like, thug dude over here every once in a while, like, got in a fight. And I'd always, like... I have like a, an emotional responses to fights. I don't really like watching them, mm. but those ones I really didn't mind. I'm like, yeah, let these guys at each other. So that's kind of the way I feel about a couple of YouTube celebrities boxing each other. I'm like, yeah, go at it, fellas. It's fun to watch. I hope one of you kind of gets hurt. <laughs> All right, next topic, Benny, the topic of load management and Kawhi Leonard isn't going away. And the former, his former coach, Nick Nurse, opened up about it. He told The Athletic, about last year, you know, they got through a little bit way through the year, and he's like, he's crushing his 30 points a night. I figured it could go one of two ways. He was going to cruise on out of there, or he was going to flip the switch and try to win the whole damn thing. Obviously, we saw what happened. Benny, let me ask you this. Has Kawhi earned the right to sit when he needs to during the regular season, especially if he's not back to full health? Well, I think first off, we have to address conceptually what Nick Nurse said, because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me in some right. ways. Like, coasting doesn't seem to be a fair word to describe Especially what was happening last year. Points a game. Exactly. Like, at in the year he was talking about, which was last year, Kawhi Leonard averaged almost 27 points a game on 50% from the field. Literally only a handful of people on the planet can do that. Mm-hmm. There is nothing, about, and, and the fact that they were winning a ton of regular season games while this is happening. So I, I don't find the word coasting to be appropriate in what he was saying at right. all. I think when Kawhi Leonard hits the floor, there's there's no coasting involved. Yeah. Um, and I think that was proved in the fact that he played all 24 games in the playoffs, averaged 30 and a half on the same percentage, which was just a uh, culmination of higher minutes. Mm. So analytically, what he's saying doesn't make sense because you add the minutes to the playoffs to the regular season, he was playing the exact same way. Um, but that brings up the topic of load management. Do you think that somebody winning two rings using these concepts, it, I mean, does that earn you the right alone? 
if you're coming at it from a, a point of view, be like, well, I pay my hard-earned money. These networks pay a lot more, and they should be mad. But that's a whole different tangent aside. When it comes to, for basketball players, winning a championship is the ultimate goal. And however you need to do that and however you need to prolong your career, that's what you need to do. But are we dealing with an entertainment industry? Well, we yeah. Of course. So, so the fact that literally Kawhi Leonard last week sat the first game of a back-to-back on national TV against Giannis. Yeah. Right? So what are we valuing here? You know, seriously. I would rather watch Kawhi Leonard on a weekday night playing that game then I'd rather watch a healthy Kawhi Leonard work through the play. You know what I mean? Yeah. I need to see that to wait, be entertained. Wait, 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 wait. You'd rather see him? No, no. Rephrase. Okay. I wouldn't rather see it. But to say that there's no value in it is crazy. Right. And he's hurting his own brand. He's hurting the brand of his team every single time he does it. And, and let's be real about what's happening right now. These are nationally televised games. Right. So that's what's happening right now. The reason people are up in arms is because you're advertising Giannis versus Kawhi for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, his camp decides that this is the game. And there's no... Um, See, I'm not so sure it's his camp, but continue. And it always gets pulled back to this point, And he has no plans on slowing it down. And until the NBA decides to do something about it, I mean, essentially, it needs to make a decision right now if it's an entertainment industry or if we're really valuing the fact that these teams win championships that much right like i think we did this to ourselves i think in the last 10 to 20 years somewhere along the line the barometer for success only became rings right Mm -hmm. think about the many many examples of guys who had wild hall of fame careers that we just belittle in their uh sports afterlife because they never won one Right. So we did this to ourselves like we created Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard saw what people were asking for. And we do this because, you know, if you talk to a lot of players, right, Mm -hmm. that like used to play the game, they do this to each other. Like your opinion doesn't matter because you've never won a championship. So I think it's just the public has adapted to what the players have been doing for years. So I don't think like you can blame the media or the public or you can blame the merger of the former players into the media for this narrative does carl malone know less about basketball than robert ori no of course not and and this is where we need to 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 still place some value on the on the way to get there right and and luckily this season uh i think is an example the first year in many years where the parody of the nba actually might force these guys to play a little more because now you're talking about, in both conferences, losing home seating because it's it's so competitive. You don't have the Warriors, right. the Clippers, the Lakers, the the all of them. They can't afford to just take so many games off this year mm. because you'll just fall back too much. So I think also some of it has been the culmination of the fact that we've been dealing with a monolith for the last five seasons. Right. We've been dealing with something that is an unattainable beast that nobody can beat. Mm. And the regular season kind of didn't matter. It was an afterthought for years. And and now it now it's not. See, my case for Kawhi not playing against the Bucks is very simple. Doc Rivers, a noted schematic guru, sure. if you will, probably was like, you know, I may see these guys later down the road, mm. maybe NBA Finals, who knows? And does he really want the cat out of the bag 
and give Mike Boonholzer, who also very good at coming up with these schemes for the playoffs, nine months to kind of cook something up. Video coordinators work very fast, and that's a it's kind of the underbelly of the NBA coaching tree. Mm-hmm. So do you want to give them that much of a, a sample size? And I think part of uh, a big reason why the Raptors were able to have success last year is that element of, okay, we're going to be peaking at the right time roster-wise when it came to the postseason. But, I mean, but what, we don't know what we're dealing with with Kawhi Leonard? Like, they never seen him play? You no. know, they know exactly how to game plan for Kawhi Leonard but, but every you know time they play. But game plan with Kawhi, Paul George, Montrezl Harrell, that whole belly of the beast that you're kind of going to have to deal with when Paul George isn't due back for a, another two weeks. It's shortening that time frame because the longer something's out, the more data can be collected and the more you can kind of put your schemes in place to counteract that. But in the reverse, isn't that belittling the fact that Giannis and the Bucks are legitimate title contenders and maybe Doc Rivers and Kawhi would want to get a look at them? But that's assuming that this is going to be the same Bucks team that you see in May and June. I, you know, I, I think the buyout market and I think the December 15th activation of the trading season is going to very, very much be in favor. So I guess the point is if you belittle the entire regular season like that because these teams are, are going to change. If you look at a established team like the Clippers – that probably isn't going to change much. Not too much, yeah. You're, it it yeah. gives you less of a sample size. I understand. That's a good point. All right, next topic. Keeping it in the NBA. Benny, let's go to Madison Square Garden. And I'm not talking the Pansy Food Hall no! either. <laughs> Nick's Brass, Steve Mills, Scott Perry, addressed the team's performance and David Fizdale's future after... The New York basketball teams, which I think is how we should refer to them in the future, kind of like we refer to the Redskins, New York's basketball team. Sounds nice. It's PC. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Address the media after their 108-87 loss to the Cavs on Sunday night. And my only question is, why are they surprised that this team is 2-8? I mean, they're not. And that's what offends me about the whole thing is like, if you tell me these guys did anything with this roster construction in the offseason that wasn't designed for tanking, then they are the biggest fucking idiots I've ever seen. So I, I think what we're seeing now is either total ignorance to their own situation or an obvious PR stunt. You know what I mean? Where they're trying yeah. to just save face and and apparently throw Fizdale under the bus, which is insane. I mean... Any single person who watches basketball saw what they were doing in the offseason and went, what the fuck are these guys the doing? Power forwards. I'm like, oh, okay, here comes Julius Randle. <laughs> Decent signing, yeah. good money. Oh, here comes Bobby Portis. Oh. Uh, okay, little upside. Here comes uh, Taj Gibson. Okay, why? Yeah. Uh, here comes Marcus Morris. Oh, okay, why? <laughs> and now all of a sudden we not only have four power forwards on the team, we have four kind of mouthy power forwards who need minutes, who need the ball, who are not going to be happy with complimentary bench roles. You also have the only big on your team is like a 19-year-old kid who can't play for more than 20 <laughs> minutes a game. Uh, and I think the more and more you're seeing the Mavericks play well and you're seeing a healthy Chris Stapps play over there, and you're seeing the lack of return that the Knicks got. To me, what they did last night just seems like a a quick save-your-own-ass PR stunt, and it's it's ugly and out of touch, and it's so fucking typical Knicks, man. 
See, here's my take on this, Benny. I think after 10 games, now we all know the typical New York guy that always gets his own way, hasn't really, you know, that like that New York elite rich level that is very much James Dolan. Sure. And we all know how, how, how they act. It is scream first, think second, which I very much think is why you have the brass of a team addressing the New York media like there are a couple of D2 players that just played a bye game <laughs> at, at the Pfizer form against Marquette. Like, they're standing there not knowing quite what to do, not quite sure how to stand behind a podium. And I think it's a very much a get-out-and-explain-my-mess situation. And very much they had to do this to preserve their jobs because we James Dolan will fire anybody at the drop of a hat. And, in fact, you know, you see an incident like this and you always kind of like, where there's smoke, there's fire. And this morning... uh. My guy Frank Asola of The Athletic is reporting that the Knicks are looking at a potential front office change, and guess who they're going to try to target again? Tell me. Masai Ujiri. Ah. Which, by the way, this bl- b- the, the, the change of the narrative <laughs> with Masai Ujiri in the last year has yeah. been crazy. No because shit. we had Raptors fans calling up NBA radio last year that wanted him fired. Have his head. Want- and wanted everything gone. Yeah. Some of this stuff is arbitrary. I mean, well... Dolan, there's two things to mention on that. You want to do a press release. You want to do this publicity thing. That's fine. But what is the purpose of uh, noting a lack of effort? What's the purpose of that? You're literally going after the coach and the team. You're not going after yourself. You're not going after the roster. And as usual, there's no personal responsibility. And I don't know how that's going to ring in that locker room. You tell a guy like Taj Gibson who's been breaking his ass in the NBA for like a dozen years who's getting about eight minutes a night or like whatever they're going to give him. Uh, I don't even know if he's back yet because there's so many power forwards, you know? And and the fact that they're taking that that tone. So is this coming from an angry James Dolan phone call last night? Was he just at home plugging away on his guitar, (laughs) practicing some straight shot songs? And he's just like, How much money would it take for you to play drums in James Dolan's band right now? Listen. Insider secret that I know about JD in the straight shot. He pays very well to his artists and crew. And there's a reason his band is uh, competent. And it's not because they want to play with them. It's because they're getting fucking paid. Uh, <laughs> I hope we can keep that. I hope we can keep that in. I don't give a shit. Was James Dolan going to come after me? Who am I? The Gaslight Anthem will never play Madison Square Garden oh, no. again. Going to Barclays. <laughs> All right, Benny, we've reached the halfway point of the podcast, and that can only mean one thing. It's time for our Dollar Slice Take of the Week. For those of you that are new to the podcast, a Dollar Slice Take. That's tougher to say than I thought when I planned out this segment. <laughs> I, I totally miss misjudge having to say that every week. But a Dollar Slice Take, you, you know, like your Dollar Slice in New York it's not well thought out. It's half-baked. You know, the cheese is probably expired. So we give the equivalent of that in takes. Benny, what do you got this week? It's always light on sauce. Yeah. You know, light on <laughs> sauce. Um, mine this week, just like last week, is the beginning of two lines, which I advocate for. I believe in segregation Everywhere. apparently now <laughs> in this way. So when I go to the gym, you know, I'm really like a – I don't love going to the gym. Yeah. Usually I'm like working out just like as an excuse to go into the sauna afterwards. Oh, and then, okay. And then, uh, you know, just take some time out. But you know, like I'm really there, like just not to die. 
You know what I mean? Like, I want to see, like, my kids graduate college. I just want to stay, like, alive enough <laughs> to just keep going, you know? And I think I should have my own gym. And then, like, the selfie influencer jacked up protein shake 12 hours a day crowd should have their own gym because we just don't we don't jive together they don't want me there and then they scare me with all their noises and and their sweat and all the machines and (laughs) and their their lifestyle i I don't get it are you a yoga guy benny i am i am i I enjoy it but i also i don't really like yoga for exercise i don't appreciate being in a room and having like uh, you know a hundred five pound woman <laughs> screaming at me for an hour yeah, about right? my my bad form <laughs> and this and that. I like yoga as like a connection between mind and body, some breathing, like a reconnection. So I more often than not do like a really really like old person yoga on YouTube <laughs> at home for like twenty minutes that lets me mostly stay on my back. Mm. That's the kind of yoga I'm into. It's it it's crazy because. A lot of people do hot yoga, and yeah. I don't understand this because we're in this basement right now, and I'm low key sweating, yeah, and it's I see not a little on the brow. like like this is like this is the closest to hot yoga I should probably get, and it's really not even that hot in here. To be clear, for people, Denny is sitting under a steam directly pipe. under the steam pipe, which I should note, the last three winters has breached when they turned on the heat. At some point, you're looking oh, at no. a bunch of new connections. I found hot boiling water in the spot just where you're sitting before. The, the so. Ticking Time Bomb podcast <laughs> brought to you by. Should um. we tell people we're in a creepy basement so they know this? <laughs> There's no good segue to my dollar slice take of the week. But uh, so, Benny, they recently put the original Ocean's Eleven with uh. Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., the whole rap pack. They put it on Netflix. And it's a little problematic. Yeah. Um. You know, you got to, uh, you've got, you know, I don't want to besmirch the character of these legends, but let's just say the Dean Martin estate the last couple weeks, not the easiest go around when it comes to being relevant yeah. in PC culture. Deanna's been spitting hot She's fire recently. Hot, nobody's safe. John Legend's not safe. Heck, you know you're in the wrong when you're, when you're going up against it with Kelly Clarkson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I think all of these always lend back to the conversation that needs to be had right now, which is how much do you allow entertainment from another time and forgive the trespasses of the time? Right. You know, like like John Wayne, his movies were fine, but he was caught off camera a number of times being a racist kind of piece of shit. Mm. Those weren't in his movies. That was the man. That was a problem. Which you know what I mean? And, like, if there's somebody who got caught up in the time, I can understand it more. And specifically, if at some point in their life they recognize the fact that it was problematic and have moved forward with that. Mm. I, I think these things maybe still have somewhere in the world to exist. Yeah. Or do they? But this brings me, this is my dollar slice take of the week. I think we need to hold some of these people to the modern standard. But if you think back to ancient times whenever a new society would come in mm-hmm. and which i think we're kind of in like on like the macro level or kind of sure. in that space right now when when a new society would come in and the things that were acceptable in the old society weren't people didn't give them like a pass they, they used to you know they not great treatment right for those people so 
I think holding them to the modern standard, it's it's people complain about PC culture and all that stuff, but really and truly, this isn't anything new. So maybe you know, not have the estates of Frank Sinatra of of all these people try to get this movie to resurface if you know it's going to cause an an issue. Yeah, I can't disagree. Sometimes there's um, a time and a place for a line in the sand. All right, Benny. Second half of the podcast. We normally start off with sports, basketball, normally hoops. Uh, But now we get into the time of the program where it starts to become story time with old Uncle Benny over here. (laughs) So Travis Scott held his Astroworld Festival this past weekend in Houston. And each of the performers got a gift bag that included... Air Jordan 11s, and a bunch of other luxury products, uh, some even included by Nike. Benny, is this common at music festivals, and what's the best thing you've ever received? Dang, what's the price point on these Jordans? You go into the store, how much these things cost? I'm going to say they're about 220 probably. 220 Yeah. And what, what are you thinking? How many artists do you give these out to? Well, uh, 100? couple hundred? Yeah. So, so Travis Scott. That's a sizable investment. So, unless, unless Travis Scott got these for free, I mean, I'm sure he might have, maybe Nike gave him a cost. So, I want to like belittle this, but the one thing that makes me think it wasn't just like, all right, I want to go back one. Somebody told me a story once Mm -hmm. about uh, a famous news reporter. I'm not going to say who they were. And it was a smaller news reporter who told me. And they said, this person was so nice. That after we met, we had a discussion about Scotch, and Scotch appeared at my office like a few hours later. And this person was so kind to do this. And like quickly, since I know the way these operations work, I'm like, there's a big difference between somebody who notices this conversation, goes to the store, buys this bottle of Scotch thoughtfully, Mm. packs a note with it, puts it in a box, calls a shipping place. You know what I mean? It's yeah, a lot of work to do this present. But the status in which this person was meant they could just pick up a phone and go, uh, Philip, please have a bottle of Balvenie sent to, to this young reporter with a with a cute note. It takes five seconds. Mm. So I'm like, in these situations, like it's kind of easy to look like, like gregarious philanthropist when you really don't have to fucking do yeah. all that much. And the one thing that makes me think Travis Scott had to at least go one step further is because they're shoes. Yeah. And you need sizes. sizes. So that means somebody called all these camps to be like, hey, what's your drummer's shoe size? Mm. What's your bass player's shoe size? And it takes a little work, a little thoughtfulness. So I'm, I'm impressed with that. Mm. Let's just say that. Um, my experience with festivals and the gifting stuff has been interesting because more often than not you have to you know go there and and snooze a little bit Mm. and put something on and then take a cute picture and kind of rep the product you're about and i always felt a little whorish doing those things and not protecting myself and blah 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 it's my you know my punk rock scruples and and often i wouldn't get a bunch of stuff and then now in hindsight, I realized like uh, no one really cared that the drummer was getting it one <laughs> either way. So I probably should have just loaded up on all this stuff and like resold it or something. Um, so I haven't gotten too much stuff, but I know a lot of people who have. The funniest story for me would be uh, there was a festival in Europe that we played with the band 30 Seconds to Mars. This is Gaslight Anthem. And we were only a couple doors away from them all day long. 
but we never met. And after the show, we got a couple sleeves, very fancy macaroons, and not not Jewish macaroons, <laughs> French macaroons, very different. Uh, and and a note that said, "Thank you for taking this journey with us," um, which we found funny because uh, we never met. Yeah. We just played a festival together. We really didn't go on a journey. But we ate the macaroons. It was nice. <laughs> Side note, on the same festival, my friend Goose from the band Polar Bear Club caught Jared Leto doing yoga at the airport to go back to yoga yeah. and tried to sell the photos to TMZ at 500 a pop, which they denied. So, the yeah, that's my funniest story with gifting at festivals. Hmm. So it's not like you're like a running back from Alabama and it's the national championship and you're walking into a Miami hotel and there's like iPads. There's like they're giving you Teslas like you didn't even know that you needed a Tesla, but they're giving it to you anyway. Just macaroons, huh? Yeah, I got to be honest. Like this is where if I or even the band or myself or anyone really eke the channels that were open to us at the time i could have had more opportunities like that i definitely played festivals where like gifting suites existed Mm. i definitely played festivals where like these like really kind of corny over the top after parties hosted by people are happening and Mm. this and that i just always abstained oh so it's like it's like i think these things were available to me denny yeah oh what a fool (laughs) what a fool Oh, looking back on it, man, I should have just taken the shit. Just taken all of the shit, you know? This has been Therapy with Benny Horowitz. God, put me on the couch. Speaking of lots of stuff and lots of people, it appears the candidacy of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders has one billionaire slightly worried. That's right, Jeff Bezos has reached out to fellow billionaire Mikey Bloomberg, that's right, the former New York mayor himself, about running for president. This is shaping up to be a fascinating battle on the Democratic side of things, especially if Bloomberg plans to join the race. Benny, what do you make of all this? Well, there's a lot to make out of it. Yeah. It's a big bag to unpack. But I think the one thing I, right off the bat that I took from this was the fact that the fact that you and I are even speaking about it means that they wanted us to know about it and speak about right. it. The fact that this was put out there as if some phone call between the two of them was like, tapped into and now you know me and you sitting in his basement now know <laughs> the conversation between jeff bezos and Mike. Bo- that's just silly to think yeah i can't imagine the channels two men worth 200 billion dollars <laughs> and the kind of skynet shit that those two have yeah. to make sure that you and i never know what they're up to so i think this was obviously uh you know something to take the temperature of the room using the media and using social media as the platform to get it out there and letting their publicists and PR teams like see how it feels and see how it comes back. But I think this is essentially as close of a thing as you can do in front of like declaring your presidency to just seeing what it looks like and what chances you have. It's almost like what the NCAA allows you to do now where you can Put yourself into the draft. But not really. But then yeah. feel it out, and it's yeah. like, oh, no one's going to pick me. All right, I'm out. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened with these two. Yeah. It's interesting because the early response to Bloomberg coming into this race hasn't really been all that positive from both sides. I think Democrats are looking for a much more liberal candidate, and you know, I don't think there's much conversation on the conservative side of things here. 
And it's interesting because if you have two New York quote unquote billionaires running against each other, I don't think that's a race that the entire country is really going to want to get behind. But there was one New York billionaire who convinced a lot of people that he wasn't really a New York billionaire. Yeah. So, I mean, this is part of politics and what it can do. I'm also not convinced that Democrats necessarily want more of a left-leaning candidate, and I think that's why he's even testing the water anyway. I think Joe Biden represented, like, the old-school, business-as-usual Democratic candidate. That seems like people don't really want that. I think a lot of people are longing for it. Are they? Because the thing that people see with Joe Biden is civility and peace. They see a time when American politics were like dealt with in a certain way. Right. And when like he even came out and said that he enjoyed the conversations he used to have with a segregationist because they were being civil to each other. Yeah. I think what he's representing now is sort of like a um it would almost be going back to where the Democratic Party started prior to Trump, if you go to Biden. Mm. And I think there's half of the party who is not looking for that anymore. Right. Like this this business as usual, uh, not not advancing their agenda onto their side, breaking up the big money, taking care of medicine, all that stuff is what some people want. Mm. And I'm not necessarily sure that a Biden or a Bloomberg is going to represent the interests of young people at all. The big conversation, I mean, there's... I think it's in 2021 or, or 2022 is when uh, the, the first generation of people with insane student debt, when they're going to default on those loan payments, combine that with an already looming recession. You tell me how all of these billionaires are planned to deal head on with other people's college debt, which I bet they never thought in their wildest dreams would become their problem in the first place. Well, I have a feeling we're just going to see like business as usual, which is Democrats just blaming really rich people right and uh republicans blaming the working class and immigrants (laughs) and they're both gonna say to normal working middle class people they're gonna say this is the problem this is the reason you can't succeed Mm. what this all goes back to is i don't think bloomberg's gonna run no (laughs) and i think uh this is just a further representation of that split in the party right now and people trying to exploit that and I actually wonder if the right wing is sitting there just kind of licking their chops at it because maybe they're seeing that that pre-Obama Tea Party split that, you know, <laughs> that everybody really needed yeah. helped Obama get elected. They might be seeing the same thing right now. All right, Benny, we're running out of time here. Who is your token meme figure person? <laughs> we'll work it out. Who's your meme of the week? One of my favorite rangy switch hitters with a with a with a silver goatee, Tony Clark, who is uh, went after hard after uh, Braves GM Alex uh, about colluding with other baseball teams prior to the season, and it's looking more and more likely like a 2021 MLB labor dispute, which after three and a half hour long games and 45 relief appearances, I don't think baseball can survive. So Tony Clark, please. My token meme person of the week, and just for this purpose, I can say token meme guy of the week. I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. Did you see this on Sunday Night Football? He's warming up for the game against the Vikings, and he's going through his his motions, and he's like dropping back the pass, and he's moving his elbows. And you can meme that a hundred different ways. And it's funny because it's 
I've I've never quite understood the, and it's mainly because I didn't play, but like the way quarterbacks warm up and stuff like that. But my bigger thing here is how we now have an entire culture that has been built up around this Beats Headphones commercial <laughs> series. Every player in warm-ups wears headphones. Man, I don't always like wearing headphones on the subway where you need headphones. What what noise are you trying to drown out, <laughs> Dak Prescott? They're playing your music. You're at home. You, you probably got your own music video on the Jumbotron. I don't understand why everybody needs the headphones. I blame Odell Beckham because he's an easy scapegoat. But Dak Prescott out here dancing with his own, own headphones. It's great for Twitter. It's great for Instagram. It's probably great for Dak's own personal brand. But Dak, you just memed yourself. So you are my token meme person of the week <laughs> he probably doesn't like my wife does it it's just like she puts on headphones on the train so no one talks to her yeah well <laughs> listen if you're a Dax woman like in a major zeke, city zeke i can't listen to you right now <laughs> come on if you're a woman in, in a major city you probably need the headphones and the pepper spray well, at, maybe Dax at got all like, times like an offensive lineman that he just oh i can't fucking hear you right now before the game i gotta focus like Zach Martin. Yeah, Zach Martin just won't <laughs> shut the fuck up about, like, Succession, like, season two or something. He's just like, yo, I got to focus. Come on. I think that's what's, maybe that's what's happening. <laughs> we should play ourselves out with the theme song, but that would cost us way too, too much, much money, too and much. HBO would come, come at us. But you have any final thoughts here, Benny, before we wrap this thing up? No, just everyone have a great week, and All everybody right. love everybody. My name is Denny Gallagher. He is Benny Horowitz, and you have been listening to the Tune Up Pop.